The human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine. And we can learn to use them in new and powerful ways to create the life we've always dreamed of. On our program today, with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon, we'll address who you are, how to come to know what you believe and why, how to accept and love yourself, and how you can make changes that help you create the empowered, happy, successful life you want. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. We're broadcasting from Fountain Hills, Arizona. And as Fred Rogers used to say, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Of course, it's always beautiful here. Take a look at the Self-Improvement blog. I always tell you to do this. You'll see our guest picture. His bio is there. Um, uh, uh, The review of his book. And in the right sidebar, you'll see some very good videos. Take a look at those. Of course, after the show, I know you're going to want to do that anyway. I'm going to have a little his- historical background for today's show. It's really a nutshell, and it's you know not. I don't intend it to be even remotely complete. But you know, things have changed drastically. When I was a kid, and I won't say how long ago that was, but it was a while ago. No one then was concerned about our self-esteem or self-improvement. We were taught obedience, following the rules, and avoiding a spanking at all possible costs. Uh, Men were to grow up and become providers, and women were to grow up to become good wives and mothers, and there wasn't a whole lot of discussion about that. That was just sort of taken for granted. We were taught that everybody else came first. Then in the 60s, all kinds of things began to to take place, as you remember. Abraham Maslow published his hierarchy of needs and emphasized the concept of self-actualization, and it actually began to catch on. This was followed by Nathaniel Brandon's work on self-esteem. And the self-help movement was born, and bookstore shelves were filling up with books about self-help and self-improvement and psychology and other uh, self-kind of oriented subjects. The Internet then came along introducing Eastern thought and made other cultures and other beliefs available to anyone who was able to get to a computer Positive psychology made its appearance, and human potential and accomplishment came even more into the forefront. Then along came the secret, and we started talking about manifesting and the law of attraction, and we began to talk more about meditation and awakening and expanding consciousness. We talked about quantum physics and about being spiritual rather than religious. All of this fairly new on the scene. And today we're going to talk about moving away from self-improvement into emergence. In fact, our guest today says, quote, self-improvement is a thing of the past. Wow. And emergence is the new kid on the block. So this should be a fun show. You better stay tuned. Derek Rydell is the author of the number one Amazon Barnes & Noble bestseller, Emergence, Seven Steps for Radical Life change. And if you're on the blog, just go down and order it right now. Uh, he is the, the expert on the revolutionary law of emergence. And it is revolutionary. You're going to love this. He has trained top executives at Fortune 500 companies in empowerment, empowered leadership and communications. He's coached celebrities and media professionals on creating conscious entertainment. And I love that. He regularly writes for the Huffington Post, 
and has touched hundreds of thousands around the around the planet with his message on finding your path, living your purpose, and making a powerful impact. He has a weekly Best Year of Your Life podcast on iTunes, and he talks about cutting-edge spiritual principles and success strategies to help achieve financial freedom and abundance, master productivity and creativity, and gain true wealth and happiness. That's a lot. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome Derek Rydell to the Self-Improvement Show, even though he says self-improvement is a thing of the past. Derek, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. It's I'm my, glad it is my true honor and pleasure to be, to be, I actually say self-improvement is an oxymoron because when you understand the real nature of the self, you realize you can't improve upon it. But self-improvement as a, as, a, as a concept is still viable. We just need to change our definition of it. And, and pay attention, um, listeners, because Derek has a lot to say that really needs to be heard. Uh, yeah, I always ask the first question is always tell us about yourself. Who is Derek Rydell? Yeah, and, you know, I just want to say something just really quickly before I jump into who I am. You made a very, I think, very astute description of the history of personal growth and the history of human thought, or at least the history in the last, let's say, century or so, or less than a century, the last half a century. And um, what's interesting for people to understand is that, that the, the development of human consciousness is cyclical. If you look back throughout... Yes. The last 2,000, 3,000 plus years, you'll see that we have these breakthroughs in human consciousness, these deep mystical revelations of our true nature, of, of a self that is already whole, complete, and perfect. And whether it's a Buddha or a Jesus or a Lao Tzu or a whatever, and then what happens is that teaching starts to disseminate through society. And at first, there's a purity to it. There's a people are seeking that connection with their ultimate reality of whatever nature they're calling at the time. And then over time, it becomes materialistically or literalistically understood, and they, it starts to become about improving the physical conditions of life. And then eventually that gets so crystallized that the, the, the truth of it gets largely lost in a largely mental or emotional or material version of it is all that remains. And we end up with institutionalized teachings. And then, and then again, something happens to shatter that again, a new renaissance, um, uh, you know, some kind of breakthrough. And, and, then, and then again, there's a deeper connection to that original truth and another level of embodiment and integration. And then eventually that also gets taken over by the ego or the material sense of life, self-preservation, survival, and it creates some level of material progress, but we again lose the spark of truth. And then again, and so that's, there's this cycle that's happening. And so it's not that any of those stages are wrong or, or bad or anything. It's just, it's this natural upward progressional cycle of, of awakening, anchoring, integrating, and embodying these deeper truths, our deepest nature in human experience. And that's an evolutionary process that is also, by the way, accelerating. So these cycles are starting to happen more quickly. And um, so I just wanted to make that analogy. People can start to understand, because when you look at your own life and your own evolution, 
you are a microcosm for this grand evolution of human consciousness. And the good news is that you don't have to wait for the whole of human consciousness to catch up. If you're willing to consciously walk this path, you can accelerate the progress of that upward spiral and evolve and integrate and express more of your potential, um, you know, more quickly than the rest of society. And then you become a lightning rod of, of growth and evolution or innovation in the world, or at least in your area of the world. So um, I just thought that was, you really sparked something when you said that. I wanted to just share that. That large I, I wish we had had all of that together. Well, we did actually. It's all together in one place now, uh, and I really appreciate that. And I see what you're doing as the next step up. And so, you know, you really set yeah. the stage for what we're going to talk about today. And now, tell us about yourself. Into, who, who is yeah, how that ties into me? How that ties into me is, you know, if, as I look at my life, my life has been that evolutionary progression. You know, macrocosm from, you know, being a young little kid and having this awareness of some greater possibilities, you yes. know, insight, and, and, and then experiencing that as I tried to express that in the world, it wasn't understood. I felt like a freak. My friends didn't understand what I was doing. You know, my, my parents didn't understand it. And so I learned how to cope and how to get along and, and then had to focus on self-preservation and then learn how to, you know, create a life that other people would think was valuable and successful. And then eventually that didn't work and that started to break down. And that led to my own crisis where I, I began to, um, I actually got addicted, you know, trying to improve my life, trying to fix my life, trying to change my life, trying to get over all my heartbreaks and breakdowns and failures. And after a decade of self-improvement approach and therapy, the only thing I had improved was my ability to describe why my life was so messed up. <laughs> you know, I was very... And you improved the bank, the bank balance of all those people that you had to seek. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and so, um, but then it ultimately drove me to become addicted to drugs and alcohol and um, almost, almost killed me from an overdose and then almost drowning a second time when I had a breakdown and kind of went off on my own and did a very stupid thing. And, and, but that final thing cracked me open again and, re and brought me back to that glimpse of this part of me that had never been damaged. And so it didn't need to be fixed. And it was already this amazing, beautiful masterpiece, so it couldn't be improved upon. And it was just a glimpse again, but this time it was enough for me to take it seriously. And I pulled out of society, and I was going to become a monk. And um, I didn't, the monk life didn't quite work out for me, so I ended up cloistering myself in my apartment and I went on this inner journey to begin to understand the self that I'd glimpsed, that I'd always kind of known, but I'd been running from or trying to make happen. And all along, what it really needed was for me to make it welcome and to stop long enough to get still and quiet within myself long enough to start hearing it again, to let go of the controlling and the defending and the coping just long enough so that I could really feel it again to let go of all the self-improvement, to try to add something to me long enough so I could just see it again. How did and, you have the insight to know that what you needed to do was just get quiet and, and allow, I guess I would say allow yourself to be taught, to be healed? Yeah. You know, how did you know to do that? You know, it was, it was instinctual, partly, because... Um, 
you know, I had been cracked open pretty intensely. And, and, I, and I had this awareness that was so profound that it just was like, it was like opening up a vacuum. It just sucked me in. And I knew, I just knew something had radically shifted and I could not exist in the world as I had been. And I mean, I got rid of TV and news and books and newspapers and only held on to stuff that was sacred and spiritual and holy and supportive and, you know, went on this inner journey. Um, but, but, but now I understand that it's not necessary that you be that cracked open. Sometimes it is, but for many of us, if you, you can consciously, see the way it works is you can consciously cooperate cooperate with this evolutionary impulse or collaborate, co-labor with, collaborate with this evolutionary impulse and consciously open up the, the windows of heaven and allow this, this good life to pour out. Or if you resist it, fight it, you'll get dragged kicking and screaming into your evolutionary, into the next stage of your evolution. So I had to be dragged kicking and screaming and but once you kind of know that, it, that there's, a, there's a path and how to follow it, which is what I try to lay out with the emergence work, then you can consciously walk that path, consciously open up, and you don't need to go through as much struggle or suffering or breakdowns to have that breakthrough. Um, and we're going to talk more about that. It's time for us to take a break. Please stay tuned because we're going to be right back with more with Derek Rydell. your better business achieve that goal make good on that resolution the voice america empowerment channel it's your world motivate change succeed when you think of inspiring women who comes to mind is it a visionary like oprah winfrey political or legal figures like hillary clinton or sonia sotomayor or how about entrepreneurial business leaders like meg whitman no matter whom you might be thinking of, make sure to add one more to that list. Deanne DeMarco. She's the host of Today's Inspiring Women. Each week, Deanne turns you on to the next rising star in business and leadership and what their successes and challenges have been. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to The Self-Improvement Show. Our guest today is Derek Rydell and... 
pay I want you to pay attention today, really pay attention because what he has to say can literally, literally change your life. We're going to do a little business right up front. I want you to know how you can find him, how you can find his book and the special offers he has and some of the other things he has going on. So, Derek, tell us how to find you and get your book and those other lovely things. Absolutely. So there's two different ways that I can support you all, and you'll, we'll obviously be talking more about this during the call. But the first is the, you, I want to give you the original Law of Emergence book, ebook that really started this global movement now that has you know, spread to hundreds of thousands of people that I've connected with. And you can have that for free, as well as some training behind that if you go to www.lawofemergence.com forward slash free report. That's lawofemergence, E-M-E-R-G-E-N-C-E dot com forward slash free report. And then if you want to get my new book, the um, number one, Emergence, Seven Steps for Radical Life Change, which lays out the process, what I call emergeneering, which is how to engineer the light, your full emergence, your full potential, very step-by-step. Step. Um, if you want to get that and get almost $1,800 in actual real bonus programs and additional support from me personally, just go to www.getemergencebook.com. That's get emergencebook.com and you'll you can click there and then you can buy the book it's either 10 bucks or 12 bucks and for that um, you get over almost eighteen hundred dollars in, in real bonus programs and real live support so that you can make sure that this book doesn't just become more shelf help making your shelf look nicer but um, actually becomes real self-help real really does you really get results in your life that's how it's designed so just go to those two links. You can always also just go to DerekRidell.com, D-E-R-E-K-R-Y-D-A-L-L.com, and get other free tools and goodies there. Fantastic. And if you forgot some of that, you can find, I think I, think I have all those links on the self-improvement blog. Uh, you might take a look and, and see that. We're talking about emergence, and you did define the terms, Um it's really important that people realize that this is not just another self-improvement technique. Uh, and and you, it, it isn't. It isn't. It just isn't. Uh, you state, when we start from the false premise that we're broken or inadequate, no matter what technique we use or how sincere our efforts, it can never lead to true fulfillment but will keep us in a never-ending battle to improve a self that doesn't exist except as a fictional concept in our head. I think that is such an important statement. Can you talk about that a little bit, expand on that? Absolutely. So the fundamental premise of emergence is that just as the oak tree is already in the acorn or, or any plant is already in the seed, that that acorn doesn't have to go out and attract an oak or achieve an oak or become worthy of an oak or deserving of an oak, and that the acorn itself is not an inadequate oak tree. It's a perfect acorn. But when the acorn, when the conditions in the soil match the pattern within the seed, its natural potential emerges. 
And so the same is true for us. There's a seed of infinite potential planted in the soil of our soul and a seed of potential in every area of our life. And when the conditions match that, it naturally emerges. It's already in us. We brought it with us. And unlike whereas an acorn is indigenous, meaning its, its ability to thrive is dependent on external environment, we are endogenous, which means that our ability to thrive is largely dependent on our internal environment and you know how we feel, how we're being, what we're generating within us, the light of our own being. And, and that's core. So no matter where you're planted in the world, no matter what conditions you face or have been through, when you're able to create the conditions that match that seed pattern within you, then that potential naturally emerges. And when you believe, because life, we don't experience life, life as it is, life is already perfect, but, but life experience is a relative perception and projection of our infinite perfection. So we experience life relatively based on our perception. And so if we believe we're broken and we're lacking and something's missing and something's wrong, and then we try to do all these things to, uh, to get, attract, achieve, improve, we end up magnifying that core premise that we're starting with. We end up actually exacerbating our sense of inadequacy, exacerbating our, our fears and stress. Even if we manage to, through sheer will, manifest, let's say, a bigger paycheck, we will find ourselves often broke just at a higher income bracket. So it's the same situation, just a new, it's the same storyline, just a new set piece, you know, a new, a new cast of characters. We, we get a new relationship, we end up in the same arguments. We get a new job, and somehow we end up with the same jerky boss just wearing a different uniform. And, and it's because we may have changed, manipulated the material conditions, but we are still fundamentally the same. We still have a fundamentally limited self-concept. And we're trying to improve the self-concept instead of waking up to who we really are and why we're really alive. Okay, let me throw another question at you. You talk about um, the changes that we want to bring about in our life, relationships, more money, whatever, whatever. How is this different? How is emergence different from the law of attraction? Yeah, so, so the law of attraction, again, the law of attraction operates at a relative level, at the level of cause and effect, and like attracts like and all of that. Um, you can also call it the law of mind. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a law that operates, but it's relative. And it's what's called a linguistic convenience. You know, cause and effect is not really what's happening. It looks like it's happening. Just like we still talk about, you know, the sun rising and setting. You know, we talk about the sun rises, the sun sets, but it doesn't actually do that. that. That's an optical illusion. The planet's revolving, and it makes it look like the sun's rising and setting. And as I like to say, it's just more romantic to say, hey, darling, you want to go watch the sun set, instead of, hey, you want to go watch the planet revolve. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> right? But, but it's a linguistic convenience. It's not really what's happening. So if you design a way of life, Based on that false model, you got problems, which we used to do, right? So, so the same thing is with cause and effect and attraction. It looks like things are causing things and being attracted to things, but at the quantum level, 
there's only one thing going on. It's an omni-activity, a field of all possibility, and a field of infinite ideas and patterns. And through the observer effect, through observation, intention, and condition, that which is inherent in the field of possibility emerges. As it emerges from the quantum level, it emerges mentally, emotionally, physically, and it looks like all this interaction and people interacting and attracting, but it's really an emergence. Like another analogy is there's certain plants, like in the desert, that it looks like there's all these different plants or trees, and some of them are reaching and touching each other and weaving together, but it's really one plant, one tree, and it's emerging in different places, but underground it's one. And so when you understand that, when you build a model from cause and effect or attraction, you're always trying to pull something to you or cause something to happen, and you're creating all this resistance and a belief. And remember, life is done unto you as you believe. So you're experiencing a belief, or an experience rather, based on your belief that you don't have, that you're not enough. But when you build a model based on the truth, which is that, it's all one, it's already here, it's already happening, then you let go of all of the resistance and all of the toxic byproducts that come from that struggle to make stuff happen, and instead you come into this easy place of making what's already happening welcome and allowing it what's already trying to bubble up, what's already trying to happen in your life, to, to allow it to happen. You know, in, in the model of emergence, desire comes from a root that means of the sire or of the father, of the creative principle, also from the heavens. So those burning desires are not a sign of what's outside of you that you need to go get. It's a sign of what's inside of you trying to get out. And so when you understand it from that model, when you have that desire, you don't try to attract the thing you want you know that that's a signal that it's already in your field. It's already a part of your consciousness. You now start to nourish and nurture it so that it can emerge. Like a woman who's pregnant. You know, when a woman feels the baby kick, that's analogous to when you feel the kick of desire. That means you're pregnant with the next stage of that evolution. So a pregnant woman doesn't feel the baby kick, and they go, oh, my God, i got to get going, use the, use the law of attraction, try to attract a baby, um, <laughs> you know, attract a man to get me pregnant. Um, you know, I'm going to go out and try to make a baby happen. You know, if she did that, she would seem pretty crazy, and those nice men in white suits with upper body, good upper body strength would come and take her away. Um, yes. So, you know, instead, she knows that that means she's got a baby, even though it's still just a tiny little seed. And she begins to do the work of nourishing it and growing it and making it stronger and creating the environment that makes it welcome in the world. And then in perfect season, she gives birth to it. And the same thing is true for our own emerging potential. On that note, I want us to go to break so we can continue with the thought when we come back. This is just so rich. This is Irene Conlon saying stay tuned. We'll be right back with more with Derek Riddell. We're 
on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world. And that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Have you ever noticed that sometimes life just feels easier, especially when judgment of you or anyone else ceases to exist? What if you could function from that space all the time? What if gratitude is the key? Every time you are grateful for someone or something, a new universe opens up. What difference can you create in your life and the world from the energy, space, and consciousness of gratitude? Join us on Access Consciousness Presents Beyond Saying Thank You every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Every one of us confronts challenges that rock our world to the core, making us confused and disoriented, not knowing which way is up. On The Mother Rising, host Margaret Jacobson will nourish that spark that enlivens. You will be both empowered and inspired to create the changes leading you on your path to your own true freedom. Discover your worth and what you are capable of. Tune into The Mother Rising every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel, voiceamericaempowerment.com. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's one 888 346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the self-improvement blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the self-improvement show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the self-improvement show. We're talking today to Derek Rydell, who's the author of the book Emergence, Seven Steps for Radical Life Change. One of the statements that you make in the book that just, it really spoke to me. It's so meaningful. You state there's a place within you that has never stopped seeing yourself through the eyes of love. And and I take that to mean there's a part of me that knows who I really am. How do we get to that place? And how do we know that's it when we've gotten there? Yeah. You know, so in in essence, you know, the truth of the great mystical teachers from throughout the ages, whether it's Jesus or Buddha or Krishna or Lao Tzu or whatever teacher of your choice, when you strip away the dogma, the doctrine, the the historical idioms of the language and all of that, at bottom they're all fundamentally teaching the same thing. And that is that there really is only one life one power, one presence, one all-encompassing intelligence that created everything out of itself 
and that it is whole, it is complete, it is indivisible, and it is perfect. It can't be improved upon, it can't be destroyed. And because it's ultimately all that there is, it is who and what we are. We are unique emanations of it. We are rays of the one sun, waves of the one ocean, branches of the one tree of life. And that means that all that is true about this one this one life that has been poetry has been written about through the ages of the the glory and the beauty and the magnificence of it, that's true about you and me. That that's who we are, as Rumi, the great Sufi poet, said, and I'm paraphrasing, if you could see who you really are, you would fall to your knees and worship yourself. Because who you really are is the light of the world. Who you really are is the love of the divine. Who you really are is a being of such power and beauty and brilliance and magnificence that it it would utterly if you could let it shine even a little bit people would have to wear sunglasses around you all the time because you'd be beaming so brightly that's who you are so that has to be that's the premise that all great teachers have been trying to teach it often gets lost but that's the premise we want to begin to start from now you may not believe that you may not feel it but i'm telling you what i know and I invite you even to lean on the authority you hear in my words, because there's a frequency here. Like, there's a part of you that kind of, sort of knows what I'm saying is true, that there really is something pretty magnificent about you, even if nobody else knows it, notices it, and even if you don't feel it. So we have to start there. But then in order to really begin to activate it more and to integrate it more and to make it a more permanent part of our life, we have to create a way of life a way of treating ourselves first and foremost, that reflects that. Like, how would you treat somebody who you thought was the most amazing being ever? You know, if you love one of these great masters I mentioned, how would you treat them if you were to come into their presence? Well, guess how you're supposed to treat yourself. <laughs> how, <laughs> yeah. what, would, what, would it, what would it look like if you began to, to treat yourself that way? And so you can ask questions, literally, if I really knew that I was a magnificent, beautiful, valuable, worthy, lovable being, how would I treat myself today? What would I, how would I be in this situation today? How would I hold myself and carry myself today? What would I do? What would I do differently? What would I do more of or less of if I really knew and believed that I was this beautiful, precious valuable, worthy being. And if you ask that with sincerity, you'll start to get guidance. You'll start to get little hits. You'll hear things like, well, I'd get more rest, that's for sure. Okay, write that down. Well, I'd, I don't know, I'd probably play a little bit more. Okay, write that down. And you keep asking, you know, I, I don't know, I, I guess I'd, I'd ask for what I really want in my relationship instead of being so afraid. Okay, write that down. And you start to discover there's so much that's trying to emerge in you. There's so much self-love and respect and creative expression, all of which isn't able to emerge because you don't believe you're worthy. But when you ask that question, what, how would you treat yourself if it was true, you start to become reconnected to those parts of you. And then and I call it emergeneering because it's about engineering the emergence of this part of you. You then have to engineer a, a way of life that is reflective of that. So you've got to start actually putting those things back into your life again and beginning to engineer a life that is reflective 
of a person that really knows that they're wonderful. And I'm not saying you do all that at once or this week, but it's little bit by little bit you start to engineer life. And here's what starts to happen. People and life treat you the way you treat yourself. And you train people in life how to treat you based on how you treat yourself. And so it's all a mirror. So as you start to do this and take care of yourself more and love yourself more and, and do those things that represent that, you're going to, first of all, start to feel better. And then the world's going to start to reflect back to you what you are now activating within yourself. Now, there's more to that. That's not the whole system, but that's the beginning point. There's, ne- there's more pieces to get it to be sustainable and to keep it expanding. But you must start by asking, if I really believe this, how would I treat myself? How would I hold myself? And you can, you can focus that into any area, too. Like, you could just say at your work, if I really loved, valued, and respected myself and knew that I was worthy of that, how would I be at my job? What, how would I walk? How would I talk? How would I interact? What would I do more of, less of, or differently? And if you sit with that honestly, you'll start to get guidance. And if you honestly honor that guidance, your life will start to change. On the flip side of that, when we recognize that about ourselves, don't we also begin to recognize that in the people around us, that they are the same unique, special, beautiful being that we are? Absolutely. So, so you just said that's, that's not really the flip side, that's part two. It's and part two, okay. Exactly. That's exactly what happens. So what happens is, if we are seeing, what happens is we either don't see the good in others because we can't see it in ourselves, or we see people and think, oh my God, they're so amazing, they're so this, they're so that, because we're projecting our own unintegrated light onto them. That's the whole celebrity system and the whole star system. It's perpetuated by this giant mass projection of all of our unintegrated power. So you can begin to notice who you are just by looking at all the people you admire, because the, pe- the reason you admire them is they're a reflection of a quality of you that's latent, that needs to be owned. So as you start to own it in yourself, you'll, number one, stop um, you know, putting your, giving your power away to others, and number two, yes, you'll now, your eyes will clear up, and you'll start seeing it in others. And then that takes us to the next step, which is as you start to fill yourself up with what appeared to be missing, starting to love and value and respect yourself, the way to keep that circulating is now you have to give that away to others. Now you have to start loving, valuing, and honoring others as if the same way that you're treating yourself. Where where does that come from? Love your neighbor as yourself. So the only problem with that statement, love your neighbor as yourself, is if some of us loved our neighbor the way we've been loving ourselves, our neighbor would be in pretty bad shape. Oh, yeah. So and we, that's the, many of us uh, were taught that. We were taught yeah. that we're nothing and that we are here to serve everybody else. Yeah. And it was a very powerful teaching uh, for some of us growing up. I mean, it was yeah. sort of, it, the expression is pounded into us. Yes. That, and it comes... You know, yeah, go ahead. Well, it, it comes because you brought it up in the very beginning about the evolution of consciousness from religion to self-improvement to all that. That's an artifact of the religious dogma that was a complete misinterpretation of the Master teachings, which is that, that God is something separate from us, 
and that we are these separate, unworthy, sinful, you know, worms of the dust kind of yes. people. That I, are, if I so heard this once, I heard it a million times. There's none righteous, no, not one. Right. <laughs> not one. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And so we got this, this, this whole self-concept. To be born in original sin means to be born under a false identity. Sin is an archery term that means to miss the mark. And so all you're doing when you're sinning is you're just, you made a mistake, you missed the mark. And so to be born under sin is that you're born under a false identity of who you really are. And so this human experience gives us a false identity, that we're something separate from each other, separate from life, from earth, from God. The result, we, we hurt each other, we hurt ourselves, we rape and plunder the planet, all because we're born under this false identity that we are something separate from it all. But, but that's not what the great masters taught at all. They never said that. Jesus said heaven was within you. He didn't say it was somewhere. In fact, when they asked, where is it? Is it where, when are we going to see where are we going to see it? You know, he said, you're not going to see it. It's not going to come through observation. The kingdom of heaven is within you. Buddha taught nirvana is within you. So everybody taught, the great masters all taught, that God, this great power, this great possibility, is in you. So when it says, love God with all your heart and all your might, it's not talking about something separate from you. It's saying, love this amazing, infinite presence that is your very life and being. And then it says, love your neighbor as yourself. Now you can start loving your neighbor as yourself, because you know the self that you are is the divine. Now we're getting back in alignment with, with the way we were designed that there's this great power and presence and love that created everything. It's within us. It is us. We need to love it as us, and then we need to love each other as the same. And isn't it exciting to be a part of coming to know this? I say again, because I think at some point we've known it. Um, You talk about how we have to create the inner conditions for our potential to emerge how do we create the condi- the conditions? How do we we? I mean, we probably all want this, even though we're not particularly aware of it. We're we have a longing, I guess, is what I yeah. want to say. Even if we can't articulate it, like I'm not articulating now, uh, we have a longing for it. How do we prepare? How do we prepare the soil to receive it? Yeah, and remember. That longing is a sign that you've already got it. It's like, you know, another analogy I like to use to understand about how to create these congruent conditions is, and and that it's already happening. You know, the oak is already in the acorn, and even from a quantum physics level, the oak is actually fully present as a broadcast in the field of the acorn. And so we understand broadcasts. You know, we understand that right where you are, you're surrounded and enveloped in all of these broadcasts. And somewhere in those broadcasts is like one of your favorite songs. And if, and if you could suddenly hear it, you would be totally turned on. You'd be alive. You'd want to dance. You'd want to sing. You'd feel great. Even if you were in the bowels of depression, if you suddenly heard that song, it would lift you. It's broadcasting right where you are right now. We know that about broadcasting. But it's not doing any good right now because you're not tuned into it. So it's not manifest yet, but it is present and being broadcast right where you are. 
And so when you tune the dial of your radio to the station where that music is playing, that song becomes manifest. You, found, you have found your manifestation. And, but it was always playing. And it was always playing right where you are. It wasn't in the future. It wasn't in the distance. It was always right here and right now. But you had to be tuned into it. You had to, your frequency had to match the frequency where that song was playing. And this is what congruence is all about. Is that the life of your dreams, that, that longing of your heart, that's like almost like when you're tuning up the dial and you kind of hear that music faintly playing, but there's all this static on the line and you're trying to tune back and forth to find, to get right on that station where that song is. Well, that longing is like that echo, that distant song, because it's broadcasting right where you are, but you're not yet tuned into it fully. So the process of Imagineering is to get us fully tuned in. And, and that requires us to develop a way of life. It's not just a technique. It's a way of life. It's a whole new way of living our life from the premise that it's already here. It's already happening. We've already got it. We already are it. The only reason we're not experiencing it is because we're not fully tuned into it. We're not congruent with it. And so the way you do that is, number one, you have to know what is the song that you want to sing? What is the song that you're longing to sing? What's the music you're longing to dance to? What's the vision for your life or for any area of your life? You must have a vision. You must have something that totally inspires you. You must give yourself permission to begin to describe the life of your dreams in a way that totally turns you on, excites you, and inspires you. The fact that it totally turns you on, excites, and inspires you is an indication that some version of that is really true about you or it would not inspire you. So it's already in you, so you must have that first. That's why it says in Proverbs, where there is no vision, the people perish. And that's why if the gardener doesn't know what kind of seed they're planting, they don't know what kind of conditions to cultivate. They might give it too much water, too much light, not enough water, not enough light. They've got to know what the seed is. So you want to know what is the life that's trying to emerge in you. And that longing is telling you, it's giving you clues. And I go through many more steps for you to unpack this in the book, because the clues are all around shouting out to you what is trying to emerge as your life. So that's step one. Step two, then, is you have to begin to break that down into what are those conditions. And the conditions are three parts, feeling, being, and doing. And we'll just talk about the first two to begin with. So you want to talk about, imagine that vision, take the use of visualization and imagine, really see yourself in it and begin to get a sense of how it would feel to be living that. And then write those feeling qualities down. And then get a sense of who you would be if you were living that. And write those being qualities down. Now a feeling quality is a more static, like peace, love, joy. Um, a being quality is more dynamic, it's more active, like playful, spontaneous, outgoing, creative. You write those down, and then you look at the feeling quality, and you take one that feels most, most charged for you, and you look and see what people, places, things, or activities either used to or I believe could bring about that quality in my life. So what people, when I'm with do I feel that quality? Or what places when I'm in do I feel that quality? 
What activities, when I'm doing them, do I feel that quality? And begin to write those down. Those are some of the elements you're going to begin to re-engineer back into your life or more consistently. And you can do that for people, places, activities, objects. And, and as you do that, you're starting to create a way of life, an environment that reflects more and more who you really are. Even though you've learned to create an environment often as a reaction out of fear and self-preservation, most of us have created an environment and a life strategy by default. And now we're taking back and re-engineering our life so that it's congruent with the life that's trying to emerge in us. And babies do this naturally. Little kids do this automatically. They're automatically driven towards the people, places, things, and activities that are congruent with their emerging soul. But then they start to get all these experiences that tell them, you can't do that, you shouldn't do that, you must do this, you must be that. And they start to create coping mechanisms to be loved and accepted, and they lose track of that natural awareness of what's congruent for them. So we're reclaiming that. That's why it says, be ye as a child, again, to enter into heaven. So we're coming back to that natural state and creating a way of life that reflects, not a life that reflects where we are, but a life that reflects where we want to be, a life that reflects what's trying to emerge. And that's like cultivating the soil that matches that seed. And then really quickly, with the being quality, we take the quality, let's say it's playful, and we ask, what would it look like to be more of that in my life now or in this particular area? And as we listen and honor that guidance, we'll begin to identify places where we can step into that, activate more of that. And when you put those together, you're feeling, you're being, and now you're taking action, you're doing. You've now created the sacred code or combination that unlocks the vault of your potential or creates the conditions for that seed, and your life starts to blossom more and more. That's the tuning in. That's the tuning exactly. It's just like every little piece you start to add into your life, or, by the way, you might have to remove some things from your life that are not congruent. That's you tuning that dial more and more and more until the frequency of your dial matches the frequency where your music is playing. I'm using a lot of different metaphors so people can understand it from different ways, whether it's... Oh, it makes perfect sense. And you have a a third, there's a third step, or isn't it? Well, once you're, the, the, the doing, once you got the feeling and the being going, then you can begin to ask, if I really believe that this life, this vision that I have is possible, what would I be doing to move towards it? So an example for me, I've got many examples, but an example for me was, when me and my wife had our first child and we wanted a house, we lived in a little apartment slash condo, and there was no way we could afford a house. And to even start to think about houses was ridiculous because we couldn't afford it. But knowing this work, I began to do this, this work. So I began to have a vision. I began to activate the feeling of what it would feel like. I began to step into the being. And then we began to actually do the doing. We started shopping for homes. We started going and looking at homes and sitting in model homes and having picnics in the park by the homes and beginning to live into that life as much as we could and then continuing to do the inner work. 
and we'd come back to our little condo and it felt small and dark and depressing, <laughs> you know, and, and then we knew we had to keep doing our inner work because we had to keep activating the feeling tone of living in our dream home and being the people we would be. We started filling out our condo with flowers and repainted the walls and loved it and appreciated and was grateful for it. Then we'd go to our dream house, sit in it, play house, feel amazing, come back to our little condo, feel depressed again, and we'd do the work again until eventually one day I remember crossing the threshold of my condo and the feeling I had was the same feeling as I had when I was in the dream home. And I realized something had finally integrated and embodied. The cosmic tumbler had clicked. And a few days later, I was sitting in my office, and all of a sudden I had an awareness of how, that we would have our home and how we could have our home. And within two months from that period, we were moving into our dream home. That's cool. <laughs> so, and, and I've done that with world travel, with growing my business, with relationships. This process of emergeneering or emergence is a template that can be applied to any area. And it gets you um, activating it. No matter what your conditions are, it shows you that you can begin to thrive right where you're planted because the power, the full power of creating your life is within you. Derek, we're right up to the end of the show. I cannot believe it's gone so quickly. What's yeah. the thought you'd like to leave with our listeners besides all the wonderful thoughts you've already given us? I would just like to say if you take nothing else away from this, take away two things. One, that you, there's nothing wrong with you. You're not damaged. You're not broken. You don't need improvement that you are a magnificent, powerful, gorgeous, brilliant expression of life, more magnificent than you can imagine, and that what is being needed is for you to accept that, embrace that, and start to step into that if that was really true. And, and I, I invite you to know that that's true, to begin to practice that. And if you do nothing else, to just begin to ask every day, if this was true about me, what would I do today? How would I hold myself today? How would I treat life? How would I treat others? And, and if you just do that simple practice, that will begin to open up a world of energy that's trying to escape within you. And, and I just hope you'll take the, the free book, you'll get my book, you'll come play in my community and give me a chance to support you in truly creating a life that exceeds your wildest dreams. Derek, thank you so, so much for being with us today makes me want to change the name of the show to the self-emergence show. <laughs> this is Irene Connell with my guest, Derek Rydell, saying thank you so much for being with us today. Come back next week for more of the self-improvement show. Take care. Thank you. Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for The Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here.